Hi everyone, this is Herb Montgomery from Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to make you aware, as before we begin this week, of just two things we have going on this month uh, at Renewed Heart Ministries. Number one is our Shared Table 2021 event. We are so excited to be offering this again uh, for our, our monthly partners. Um, uh, we had to cancel it last year because of the pandemic, and we're just so excited to be able to be doing this once again. This will be our third year doing it, and uh, I just want to make sure that everyone out there is aware of it. You can go to our website, RenewedHeartMinistries.com, and it'll be the first thing you see there on the homepage, a shared table 2021 for Renewed Heart Ministries. And also, I want to remind you that we have Giving Tuesday 2021 coming up this month. I believe it's on November 30th. We'll be sharing more about that as we continue throughout the month of November, Um, but uh, just a heads up up that that's coming all donations on that special day to renewed heart ministries will be will be being matched uh dollar for dollar and so uh, uh just prepare for for those um uh, if i can think of anything else we'll mention it over the next couple weeks but for now go to renewedheartministries.com and uh, check out uh, the uh, shared table 2021 event and what we're doing leading up to uh, giving tuesday this year all right blessings to all of you enjoy this week's episode episode and I'll see you next week. You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Dare we see in these moments an opportunity to build a better world? If we can, it would be characteristic of the Jesus story itself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 397. Our title this week is Advent and a Different Iteration of Our World. And our feature text is from Luke 21, 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told this parable, look at the fig tree and all the all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that 
you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So happy Advent. Uh, we entered the Advent season last weekend, um, just uh, this pr- uh, most recent weekend. And, and the first reading for Advent this year is Luke 21. And it seems like a, an odd choice uh, to me, but we're going to uh, uh, dig in here and see what it has for us, what it might say to us this uh, week as we, we start Advent. And, and as I wrote about our, our reading from Mark's Gospel two weeks ago, we have to remember that by the time passages like the one we're reading was written, the Jesus movement was living in the wake of several destructive events, including the Jewish-Roman War. The followers of Jesus, they're just trying to make sense of all these events in both Luke and Mark, and Matthew as well, but we're not going to discuss Matthew this week. In in Mark, we read a, a similar passage, and remember, Luke uses Mark in, in, in Luke's version of the telling of the Jesus story. In Mark 13, 24 through 27, uh, we read, In those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. I, I personally like how the early Jesus community, even in the chaos of their changing world, they could perceive an opportunity opportunity uh, to make the world a just, more compassionate place. And I want to try to unpack that just a little bit. The, the phrase Son of Man in both Mark and Luke, it has a deeply Jewish apocalyptic liberation context. It's from the late book of Daniel. And, and when that portion of the book of Daniel was written, it was written in in the context of deep world change for the Jewish community who would be reading it. It was meant to inspire hope in the place of fear and anxiety. So let's look at that section of Daniel to try and understand the context. And I, I'm, I'm going to emphasize some key words here that we'll be focusing on in Daniel chapter 7. And again, this is uh, Daniel chapter 7, 1 through, well, I'll just keep reading until... Uh, it becomes a uh uh, till we get the idea. So in the first year of Belteshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea, four great beasts, each differing from the others, which came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion. It had wings of an eagle and watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being. And I want you to notice the contrast here in this passage between predatory beasts and humanness. And the mind of a human was given to it. And there was before me a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on its sides. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. And after that, I looked and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, 
horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, uh, and there before me was one like a son of man. And this is this is the part that both Mark and Luke quote this week. One like the son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every land language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So, as with all of the Bible's prophetic passages, people have spent endless hours arguing over possible interpretations from the themes, uh, 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 overarching themes of each passage to, to even the most minute details. And so much so that these arguments can cause us to kind of miss the forest for the trees. I want to take an overall look here. What is the overall narrative theme in this passage? World empires that oppressed the Jewish people are likened to violent beasts of prey who dominate and destroy. And the scene has tension from the very beginning. The first beast empire is both beast or monster and it's human. And from there, the text speaks of of divine intervention, where each empire meets the end of its unsustainable exploitation and is consumed. And then we meet a fifth being, not not a beast, but a human or a human-like one. And this being is one, it says, one like the son of humanity, a person who replaces all the empires of this world and represent both the Jewish people's triumph over their oppressors and a just future where all violence, injustice, and oppression of our world is put right. This very apocalyptic narrative, it it repeats the Hebrew prophetic hope of God's just future in our world. Consider how the narrative in Daniel 7 ends. This is verse 26. But the court will sit and his, from the little horn, power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under the heavens will be handed over to the people of the holy people, sorry, of the most high. His, the son of man's kingdom, will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the rulers will worship and obey him. So, following this model, a Hebrew way of interpreting the end of violent empires and the chaos that that such transitions create is that they could be the end of something beastly or predatory that's making way for the creation of a more humane world. The fact that beasts and humans symbolize the contrast 
contrast between societies that are destructive and those that are life-giving brings to mind, to my mind at least, the, the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. regarding power, love, and justice. And, and where do we go from here? Page 8, we read, What is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. Justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. So, so the Son of Man, it's not the only image that's barred from the Hebrew Scriptures in this week's reading. We also read about a fig tree. And this refer- reference, it, it hints to uh, its hearers that, that we can look through the chaos of change to the hope of God's just future. All the stars in the sky will be dissolved, it says in Isaiah 34.4, and the heavens rolled up like a scroll. All the starry host will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs from the fig tree. For the scripture's first audience, a leafy fig tree meant that summer or the time of harvest, it was near for them. And both Isaiah and the gospel writers, um, they use this this imagery of a time of harvest as a time when societies would finally reap what the powerful had sown, whether that was negative or positive. And Mark and Luke also, they both use the phrase being on guard, but but remember they use it differently. In Mark, being on guard means being wary of false messiahs and being handed over to local councils. It's connected to the watchfulness that Jesus implored his closest disciples to join him in in the Garden of Gethsemane that night as they were about to face state execution for standing up in the temple courtyard to an unjust status quo. By the time of Luke's writing, though, being on guard, it had expanded to include carousing and and other things. And this shift, it may reflect struggles that were within the Jesus community at the time that, that Luke was written. But Luke's gospel, it also shifts our vision of God's just future as a time of reversal um, uh, that actually actually traps some kinds of people. Mark used this idea of entrapment to refer to those who are powerful and using their power in unjust ways, but but in Luke, the trap captures those that are are distracted. In Luke 21, 34, it says, be careful of your hearts being weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and anxieties of life, that that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. So, so there is a little difference there. And lastly, where Mark's gospel focuses on the Jewish community, Luke Luke's gospel expands the focus to the entire world. It'll come on those who live on the face of the the whole earth. So how can we, as Jesus followers today, read this passage here in Luke, especially in the context of of Advent this year? Well, today, I, I think of the Beast of Daniel 7, when I, especially when I think of our era, we, we're living in what some observers see as the final stages of predatory capitalism. We're also transitioning to a post-pandemic world, too. In the U.S., uh, especially within our consumerist culture, we're experiencing rising prices and the cost of living. We're watching supply chain breakdowns during probably the most... Um, consumeristic time of the year in the U.S. calendar. 
There's increased in demand for services and goods. Uh, there's labor shortages. People who who still can't return to to their workplace or are feeling strained by working forty hours weekly to for, for pay that they just can't survive on. And over the last two years, many of us have experienced personal losses, while while we've witnessed others make gains, especially the wealthy whose net worth has increased exponentially during the pandemic. And this week, this past week, once again. We, we saw our legal system's disparities on display with the Rittenhouse trial and the, the trial of those who murdered uh, Ahmed Aubrey, and also the trial of those who orchestrated the racist violence in Charlottesville. So, so the question I want us to wrestle with is, dare we see in these moments an opportunity to build a better world? If we can... It would be characteristic of the Jesus story itself. As we enter this Advent season, we're called upon to build a better world. And I want to be careful because hope can give way to despair if instead of change, we we witness unjust systems just evolving to perpetuate harm in new ways. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can choose something different in this post-pandemic world. We have the power to begin the world over again. And the lectionary text of Advent season. Again, it begins with a, this year, uh, it begins with a, a passage that are interpreted by certain Christians to point not to the first advent that many celebrate at Christmas, but 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 a second advent or, or God's reign or God's just future in some form at some point in the future. And certain Christians see these as two advents. I want to challenge us to move past surface distinctions and encourage us to, to see not two advents here, first with baby Jesus. Jesus and and maybe the second with a future uh, you know adult returning Jesus but, but see them instead as one entire process of transforming our world into a safe compassionate just home for everyone a process that may be distributed over time but it's something that we can engage in right here right now today during this season of advent the events of our text this week and the narratives of a, a baby in a manger they're both parts of the same whole. And as we move into Advent, remember the hope and belief that a new iteration of our world is possible and that the creation of that new iteration has begun. That's what Advent is genuinely all about. So Heart Group Application this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode with your Heart Group. Number two, as Advent begins this year, what is Advent in our social context mean for you today and discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us this week, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. Remember, tomorrow is Giving Tuesday. And if you are going to be giving Giving uh, this year on that special day, we want to encourage you to remember Renewed Heart Ministries during this time. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.